Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette and Lake Charles, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Cherry Fisher May, co-publisher and event producer for NVIDIA, including ABIZ, Acadiana's business magazine. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Cherry Fisher May, and welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm sitting in today for Peter Raschuti. It seems like the conversation about health care in the United States is never ending. Between the ever-changing policies of your personal health insurance to the government-level debate over the Affordable Care Act, things seem to change every hour. One thing I can tell you for sure about Acadiana Healthcare, nothing is going to change in the next 30 minutes. That's because I have representatives of two of the biggest and most influential healthcare providers sitting here around the lunch table with me. Kip Schumacher's real name is William, but everybody calls him Kip. He's a medical doctor, but he's also the founder and executive chairman of the Schumacher Group, one of the largest emergency medicine and hospital groups in the nation. Now, the Schumacher Group treats more than four million patients a year, is that right? Six now. Six million now. Yes. And in 2015, our publication, ABIS Magazine, named them the uh, biggest privately held company in Acadiana. Revenues of $675 million, I think, were reported for 2014. Is that right? Uh, for 14, yes. And Kip, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Glad nice to, to see here. you again. Uh, Lafayette General Health System is Acadiana's largest nonprofit, community-owned regional health system. They have over 3,000 employees in hospitals and clinics throughout South Central Louisiana. That changed uh, yesterday when we brought on Lafayette General Southwest, formerly regional, and we're now close to more of like 4,000. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, as of the fourth quarter of 2015, uh, and I guess that's, uh, that's what you're referring to now, the new alignment will see revenues exceed a billion dollars. So that's correct. That's with that acquisition. The executive director of the Lafayette General Health System's community revenue arm uh, is the Lafayette General Foundation. The executive director is our guest today, C.N. Robinson. Nice to see you again. Good to see you, Cherry. We're going to start with a question for Kip. Most doctors have war stories about starting out their post-medical school careers, working in hospitals, understaffed, poorly managed often are the reports. I'm, I'm sure at the time many of the young docs think there has to be a better way, but they don't actually come up with a better way and turn it into an extraordinarily successful medical empire. I know there's a tendency for you to be modest and give credit to all the people who work with you, and you didn't build the empire alone. But how do you do it? What's the secret to getting colleagues and employees and strong personalities like doctors to buy into a business that you're building? You know, the, the amazing part is that uh, it was easy. And, and, uh, and by virtue of that, I'm saying that, uh, that is all we had to do was come up with uh, a, a vision uh, and a mission. And our mission was we want to continuously improve the quality of care and make sure our patients are treated with dignity and respect. And the vision was we're willing to commit resources 
to develop teams and relationships that allow that to happen. And so the amazing part of this is that it hasn't, that, that mission and vision hasn't changed since the inception of the organization. And as long as we keep focused on making sure that we're helping support the right thing to help, to help our patients and look for people around us that want to do the same thing, then you know what? It's amazing how many people will step up and help support the, uh, the mission and the vision. So at what moment did, did this kind of spark come to you, this vision that you said, I'm going to pursue this and step forward into a model? And was there a model somewhere that you were looking at? There, there, there really wasn't a model, but, uh, you know, Karen Reynolds, the nurse director, and I were sitting in the emergency department late one night and really talking about uh, the challenges that we dealt with day in and day out and, and quite frankly, the, the kind of difference that we were making by virtue of us reaching out and establishing relationships with the medical staff, with the departments in the hospital, with the community itself, and, and realized that what we saw in healthcare was that a lot of people were focused on writing the right prescription, but often they weren't focused on how are we going to work collectively together to have these good things happen. And so, you know, we were talking about how, you know, we really do this differently. We should go out and, uh, and, and try and do this in other facilities too. And, uh, you know, luckily enough, the next day, I got a call from a, a friend of mine that had a, a, a department that he was leaving and told me that I should go to talk to the hospital about contracting for that service too, and that was really the beginning of, uh, of the Schumacher Group. And was that intrastate or that was out of the... That was, uh, that was here in Louisiana. In Louisiana. Regionally, yes. Interesting. See, and you come from a business background. You're an adjunct instructor at the business school at UL, and you're responsible for a vital part of the Lafayette General Health System. The community support, financial and otherwise, of a community health provider is central to its existence. From the outside, it seems like public health in Louisiana is fighting against a number of forces, including the state itself, and now there's a hint of possible economic uncertainty to deal with. Uh, it seems like these sorts of battles are ongoing. Is there ever a time when things are just going great? I'll be honest with you, things are just going great. We're very blessed as a system. Uh, with our, our CEO, David Calicott, and our, our chairman and board, uh, Chairman Clay Allen. Uh, these gentlemen have had a real true vision for what Lafayette General would become. So as we all know, Lafayette General Medical Center and then quickly expanded into a regional health system. Uh, yes, there are significant challenges. And the biggest challenge we face on a daily basis is, 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 is really twofold. It's uh, funding. And as we know, the state's budget is really balanced in two areas. One is on education, the second is on healthcare. Uh, and then the other area that's challenged for us uh, are folk, meaning um, employees. Uh, so we are constantly looking for great folk to join our organization. And, and truly, that's one of the reasons why I was attracted to coming over to Lafayette General. The, the culture that's set out there, and that culture uh, very much goes hand in glove with what Mr. Schumacher has accomplished as well, and that's why Schumacher Group manages our ERs for us, as amongst other things, as well as a hospitalist program I believe we've got going on. Um, but it's all about that culture and getting the folks to agree that that's what they want to do. And by the way, Sian, I want to thank you for some of those really good folk. 
They work at the Schumacher Group. Now, so. Absolutely. And vice versa, by the way. And yeah, I think we trade. I think we tend to trade back and forth on a fairly frequent basis. So it's all good, right? It's all good. And I, just as a point of clarification for me, as a as a Louisiana citizen who kind of watched but not um, with great detail about the changes that Governor Jindal brought about in terms of how the public health system was was managed. Lafayette General was one of the hospitals that stood up to say, we'll take over, we're going to develop a teaching hospital in Lafayette, take over the, the former university medical system. Can you just very quickly summarize what the current status of that is? Because I think there's some confusion about, uh, there were some legal, legal uh, 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 challenges that came about, and, and, and I'm just curious how that's worked out for Lafayette General. It, it's actually worked out quite well. Uh, so do, does the state still own the physical plant? Yes. Do we own everything else, meaning the personnel? Uh, that are there, yes, except for the LSU doctors, I believe is what, and those are the, the folks that are training our new physicians. Um, we are being held up as a model as to a way to run that public-private partnership. So what was it like, I'm sure that the, um, the culture at UMC in terms of the way that, that the staff was managed and, you know, processes, systems and things of that sort, um, and the Lafayette general culture that you've talk, talked a bit about, what was it like trying to meld the, the staffs and the operations? And I'm not really talking about the technology side. No, that's as, a great, it's as, a great as, question. As it's a cultural shift that occurred. Any process, <laughs> when you're shifting culture, people are going to self-select and leave because it doesn't fit them, or you will give them the opportunity to succeed elsewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think overall, it's been a great fit for us. We have a great CEO over there, Jared Stark, a great COO, Katie Bear. And so the leadership team, uh, Brian Kirk, the CFO, I mean, the leadership team's done a phenomenal job of making it work. I'm glad to hear that. Thanks for the update. Thank you. Uh, CN and Kip, we're also joined today by our entrepreneur du jour. Let me introduce you to Leslie Mann Sandlin, who is the co-founder of Swamp Dogs of Louisiana. We met Leslie through Innovate Acadiana and the Opportunity Machine, which are regional nonprofits that help Acadiana entrepreneurs turn innovative ideas into profitable enterprises, and also uh, marketing professor Dr. Blake Escaday. Swamp Dogs of Louisiana is Acadiana fashion for dogs. Not Halloween costumes or embarrassing princess dresses, Swamp Dog makes rugged alligator and cow leather collars with local Acadiana fashion flair, including details like freshwater pearls and alligator teeth, and they're just gorgeous. Leslie, welcome to Out to Lunch. Well, thanks for having me. I thought we were here for the dogs. I didn't know we were talking <laughs> medical. I mean, really. But, uh, you know, it's, just, it's so great to be here. Thanks. <laughs> well, Americans spend about $60 billion a year on their pets. You're starting out here in the South. Are you planning to scale up and take Swamp Dogs of Louisiana to a bigger nationwide multi-billion dollar market? Well, I would love to do that. You know, uh, when Barbara Connor and I uh, started this company, it was all about, oh, we needed to do something for our dogs. We wanted pearls on our girls. And that's how we ended up. And we wanted a Louisiana product and we chose Alligator. And so one day we sat down with somebody and the next day we had it figured out and that's where we started i think i have we have made mistakes along the way but uh we now the the custom orders are definitely the alligator because the alligator is a very unique product and it's a, a cost costly product but it also is a byproduct it what we're using is 
pieces that are not being used for other things. So it's really a byproduct of the alligator of the alligator business. So like the, the handbags and the wallets and all those really big high ticket items, the, the pieces of the hide that are left are pieces that y'all can use for Correct. your product. Correct. There's a lot of stuff that, and you know, first off, um, you know, there's different levels of, of alligator, but the great news is, is that it's just going on your little doggy, your best friend. And um, we've kind of test driven them with uh, <laughs> Sam and Sissy and we let them run in and out of the, the bayou and, and jump in the pool and everything. You know, one of the fascinating things to me about your background, Leslie, and a lot of our listeners will know that the man part of your name, Leslie Mann Sandlin, goes back a long way. In fact, uh, before the man name, your grandfather was one of the first Pontiac dealers in the state of Louisiana. And then your father and mother got married and your dad moved into the business. He was, of course, Louis Mann, the Pontiac man. Oh, you got it. And all of- We got a deal for you, you bet. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And so you come by this honestly. And then your mom, of course, had the legendary dance school. So she was in business all of your life. And then you and your sister and your mom went on to start the Kitchenary. So the point of my question is, that for all of your life, your business background has been very traditional brick and mortar operations, retail, uh, you know, service sector. So now here you are in a business that I guess you're primarily building uh, in a digital realm. Uh, are, is, is a lot of what you're doing in the yes, digital? Yes, I, I find that I'm very mobile. We do have some stores that carry it, but it's it's one of those things that people look on the website or when they they see something i do have it at stores here like in spoiled and laugh in lafayette but it's it's just so different there's no one in the world doing it and i i can't believe this little small idea you know sitting there trying to put pearls on your girls came to where we are now and um hopefully we will grow little by little it sounds very unimportant to medical no. things <laughs> no. well i'm gonna tie that that just goes to show you the entrepreneurial spirit and what you can do with it especially in the new world we live in with technology and the internet right. and uh, it's, it's amazing what Correct. people can do from their own it, house. You know. Yeah. Well, I know that Kip has been yeah. known to uh, to uh, hunt a few alligator too in his day, so y'all might be I, have, I, might, I might sell you some of that scrap, but, but you know, I'm pretty excited after talking to you because I might be able to convince Carolyn that if she realizes we can make dog collars out of the alligators, then she might let me have a dog. That's <laughs> right. I mean, yes. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's going to kill me for that, by the way. You know, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Well, it does surprise me, Kip, as much as you hunt that you don't have your own dog, but I guess you travel a lot travel too. Travel too so, much. Yeah. Be my dog. Hard to do mm. that. Yep. So uh, you have animal lovers in your house, Ian? Uh, we do. We have a uh, we have two dogs actually. So oh, I'm, great. I'm, I'm, Christmas I'm, is coming up. I was going to say I'm saying, <laughs> and they're both girls. I so you kept saying pearls on your girls. I'm like, oh no. Oh, no. And listen, on the cowhide, we do have the bling bling. You know, if you if you want the the lower line, which is the cowhide, because it is the the product itself is is a lot less costly. Uh, Kip, you know when I tell people that don't have a dog. Get one because they need one, to be a swab dog one, collar. One, one of these okay. Days. okay. <laughs> well, and Leslie was talking a bit about the the importance of the social media and 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 the web marketing and and all of that stuff. And that just you know kind of does there that is kind of like a universal conversation that all of us in business are having right now is the impact of of, of that communication tool, whether it's for marketing, recruitment of personnel, things of that sort. Um, so, uh, are there enough good people in the medical field? I mean, you, you talk to shortages among nursing staff. Right. Perhaps there are other types of 
of uh, employee groups that also are very difficult to recruit and retain? And what role is the the, the digital communication playing in, in, in those solving those kinds of problems in your business? Kip, we'll start with you. Well, you know, the, the, the new world really dictates that uh, you got to look at different ways to reach out and, and touch people. And whether it's recruiting or whether it's advertising or whether it's reaching out to engage a patient in their own care, uh, you know, it's, it, it really is the, the way of the future. And, you know, you can do it a lot more efficiently and effective with predictive analytics. You can decide where you're going to actually commit your resources for the right things to happen, whether it's a patient or in your particular case how to sell your product out there. And so, you know, there's no doubt that there's a tremendous uh, competition out there for people who really are good at what they do when it comes to technology and, you know, especially the, the communication and the presentation and, the, you know, how do you actually engage people to want to do what you want them to do. And, and I think that's the hard part is, is learning that you got to really mean it and believe it first because, if, if you just use electrons to try and convince somebody that, you know, they want to be part of your, you know, your, your mission, your vision, then the, the risk is that you're going to drive them away because people smell a rat, even through the computer. <laughs> so it's, it's essential, Cherry, that, that you look at this in a holistic standpoint, right? You, you, you're, you know, any, in the past, if you didn't have a website, it wasn't a big deal, right? Now you have to have a website. And, and you can start as simple as that. But for us, we're looking at engaging employees. We're looking at engaging patients. Right? We're looking at engaging other stakeholders that are in our environment. And there are multiple different ways to do that through a unified platform, um, very holistic approach. And what it lends itself to is, and you're gonna hear a lot of this coming up, is we start moving towards population health management. Right? And so that's, it's, it's how do you look at, at groups of folk, <coughs> perhaps diabetics, perhaps folks who have heart disease, how do you get them to help themselves manage their own disease state and condition? How do we as a health system, when they leave, they don't really leave anymore? How are we helping them with home care? How are we then engaging them through their, their phone? I mean, right now, all of us have these devices on us. They're essentially a personal GPS to start off with, mm -hmm. but at the same time, they're a personal one-to-one -one communication device. And so how are we engaging these folks in maintaining their own health? And with the Affordable Care Act, the, 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 the methodology is moved from instead of volume purchasing, it's going to value-based purchasing, right? So uh, an example is a physician who's seeing somebody in diabetic condition in the past, and, and, and this is Medicaid for ACA, but I'm going to guess other insurance platforms are going to start adopting this. They would sit there and see this person over and over and over and over again, and every time they touched them, they got paid, and they got paid a fixed rate. Now with Affordable Care Act and value-based purchasing, if you see them over and over and over again, the disease state either stays the same or gets worse, essentially your payment starts to go down, right? As opposed to if you see them and you manage them well, you stay at the same payment or perhaps it, it ticks up a little bit. And so what we look at it is then how are we engaging these folks? And I come back to that holistic approach and that unified platform. And you yeah, you know, that's the exciting part about what's happened in healthcare is, you know, when I first started practice in, in 1980, the PDR was about an inch thick. Now it's so thick you can't even carry it around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, you look at that and, and you say, well, you know, look at all the other medical advancements that we now rely on 
from a diagnostic and treatment standpoint. Look at all the new, uh, the, the new protocols that we have and the checklists and things that really allow us to do amazing things for our patients. The problem is it's so complex that if you don't have technology to help you manage it and communicate it, then your patients aren't going to really receive the best kind of care. It becomes dangerous. Patient safety becomes an issue because it's so complex. And so that's the exciting part is innovation now is, is starting to show that with these narrowly focused uh, approaches on solving a particular problem, you can really bring great uh, value to the patient. Not for the first time, and you know, for years, I was worried that we wouldn't be able to take care of the the population that we we're expected to care for. As the population was aging and increasing, and and now with technology and and uh, you know the predictive analytics mm -hmm. and these communication tools and the engagement strategies, and there's hope that when when we get old which is a long, long way off, I might add. For us, for us boomers, it's, not, it's getting closer many, many and closer. years from now, I feel like there's hope for us, okay? So. We're at that point in the show, though, every time we'd like to throw out just a few little questions on the personal side rather than the business side for our guests. We call it the Out to Lunch Checklist. And I'm going to start with Leslie. Do you have a favorite saying and why? Well, I guess I do. <laughs> I say simply drool. And that's uh, my tagline for, for Swamp Dogs, because when you see it on your dog, you just want to draw You want to say, aren't you drooling with that beautiful collar on you? It takes a whole new, I mean, I'm sitting here and simply drool, and I'm starting to dab my napkin. I'm not talking to you guys around the table. When I was in high school, that was my, well, never mind. I'm sorry. You it's are going to be in trouble hey, with Carolyn when this is all over. No, that's my tagline right now. Seeing you've had a kind of a varied career, and you've lived in a lot of different places. You moved here from Syracuse, or not Syracuse. Uh, Almost close. We came from Buffalo. Buffalo, So right. Natalie is, uh, uh, my wife Natalie is from Buffalo, New York. I'm from outside New York City, and we met in graduate school in Pittsburgh, and then made our way south through Virginia to here. And so you've worked in academia, and now you're working with the foundation, and I'm mm -hmm. sure there are lots of jobs on your resume. What was your very first one? So outside of mom and dad putting me to work in the yard, it was a car hop for a <laughs> Stewart's root beer in New Jersey. And it was roller skates and all. Oh, my God. Whoa. <laughs> so you very quickly learn how to balance and... It was also a great way to learn customer service because, again, back in the day, we made a buck and a quarter an hour. But the way you made your real money was making the customer happy. And so if you were able to be out there entertaining on your roller skates while bringing out a hamburger, uh, you did fairly well for yourself. And a big week was 150, 160 bucks in tips. So, and, and I'm I, sure there were some pretty tough customers in New Jersey. Uh, you think? <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I can imagine roller skating on snow. I don't know how that works. Well, uh, we were only open from uh, Memorial Day to Labor Day with the outside service, and then it was inside service. So, but no, roller skating on snow doesn't, that's called ice skating. Oh, that's you change your boots at that point in time. He's from north of Bill Platt, so he would know <laughs> yeah, those things. Therefore, I'm a Yankee. Yeah, yeah we wouldn't know about that, right? Kip, you have, uh, how many states are you operating in now? We're in 30 states now. And how many hospitals? Uh, 30 it's 300. And 300 hospitals, right. and how many employees? We have 2,600 employees now. And in your, your home office, uh, how many uh, 
are running out I, of the, the central I believe core. it's around 400. So one of the things, as I've watched your company scale up, I've always wondered is about the communication piece and how you obviously communicate long distance, right. but also, you know, and it's very complicated what, what you do, or it seems to be that to me that it, it is. Um, but so talk to me a little bit about the ideal length of time for a meeting, and is that different in terms of your in Lafayette staff, and, and, and how is that different from communication or, or meetings that you might have long distance across 30 states? The ideal time for a meeting is less is better. <laughs> Smallest. Are you good. one of those that has everybody yeah. stand up, they well, don't sit down? No, no. Yeah, you know, there, there, there was a time where we spent uh, an inordinate amount of time meeting and then realized that uh, you need to give people a chance to do their job, to get their job done. And uh, then we learned that there are better ways to communicate effectively than necessarily gathering people in, in a meeting. At the same time, we also recognize the fact that you've got to touch people and engage them and have them feel like they're part of the mission, the vision. And so a lot of the, the communications we have are geared towards making sure that people understand what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And that is making a difference in the lives of the patients that we care for. So uh, again, uh, less now than, than ever before and hopefully even less than that in the future. So Kip Schumacher and C.N. Robinson, between the two of you, you've probably contributed to the health of most people listening to us today on KRVS. Thanks for keeping us all healthy, and thanks for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. And Leslie Mann-Sandlin, I know Swamp Dogs of Louisiana seems like a small business compared to the big businesses that Kip and C.N. are involved with, but at the end of the day, what makes you feel better than a dog? It does contribute to your mental health and your physical health so thanks for joining us today and being part of out to lunch thanks so much I, I enjoyed being here with these two guys remember dogs coming into those hospitals also makes everybody happy and and every big business was once a small business oh thanks a 60 billion dollar market share that's right oh, wow <laughs> that's really good thanks kip i'm there <laughs> my guests on out lunch today have been kip schumacher the founder and executive chairman of the schumacher group C.N. Robinson, Executive Director of the Lafayette General Foundation, and Leslie Mann-Sandlin, the co-founder of Swamp Dogs of Louisiana. You can find out more about Kip's and C.N.'s hospitals and Leslie's canine fashion by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe V is open six days a week for lunch and dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show is engineered by Chris Kehoe. Our theme song, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and our Facebook page. These photos were taken by Gwen O'Quinn. You can also get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows, and you can keep us uh, up with all of us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org.
Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie's Saloon Road. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is pet and family-friendly with complimentary parking and Wi-Fi. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Cherry Fisher-May, sitting in for Peter Bischutti. Thanks for joining me. We look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Bon appétit. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette and Lake Charles. Providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum at B1Bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.